This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. If I sound tired, you guys, it's because I'm exhausted. A lot happened on Thursday. My goodness. I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. Andrew Kramer will join me here in just a little bit to help break down mostly uh, what happened Vikings draft-wise and, and other interesting things from the first round of Thursday's NFL draft and help us set up what could happen Friday and Saturday for the Vikings now that we know who's off the board, who's still there, things of that nature. But first, what did I miss? You guys, the story of the day, you know, there was a ton that happened Thursday night, but the story of the day happened about five hours earlier when Adam Schefter tweeted that Aaron Rodgers is so disgruntled in Green Bay that he wants a trade that he doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. Wow, that's uh, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in, isn't it? So well, let's let's start processing that before we get into anything with with the draft or any any other thoughts on what happened here locally. I mean, that's that's a bigger deal potentially than anything the Vikings did in the draft. I know the Vikings did a good job, you know, moving down in the draft, accumulating more picks, you know, getting the the offensive tackle they still wanted in Christian Derisaw. That's going to help them next year for sure, but nothing would help anybody in the NFC North and frankly the NFC potentially more than Aaron Rodgers being out of the division and potentially out of the conference if this really does come to a head where they feel like they need to trade him if they can't smooth things over and oh by the way uh, Green Bay drafted a cornerback um in the uh, in the first round on um, on Thursday you know last year drafted a quarterback uh, the heir apparent Jordan Love to Aaron Rodgers, which is part of the problem. Since 2012, they have not drafted an offensive skill position player in the first round other than last year when they took Jordan Love, who is a quarterback, happens to play the same position as Aaron Rodgers. So not giving him much help in the draft, at least so far. Rashad Bateman, the gopher, and we'll, we'll talk to Andrew Kramer about this in a little bit. Uh, you know, Rashad Bateman, the gopher, goes right before the Packers pick. That would have been a uh, a nice look for him in green and gold um, as far as uh, as far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned. But, you know, these things happen, right? Russ, we thought Russell Wilson might get traded at some point. You know, Deshaun Watson was unhappy. Things tend to happen where time passes and then nothing happens. So we're not going to say right now that Aaron Rodgers is going to be gone from Green Bay for sure. But it sure sounds like things have deteriorated to the point where, you know, it's, it's no accident when stories like this come out five hours before the draft, when all eyes are on the NFL, that 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 this story leaks that, you know, he's told people within the Packers organization he's disgruntled and that he doesn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. And, you know, part of it is because they drafted Jordan Love last year. Part of it's the frustration over, you know, not, you know, having his quarterback coach fired a few years ago not and, you know, and not having his say in who the, the general manager is that they brought in. And they, they just haven't gone all in like Tampa Bay did last year. And you saw that, you know, maybe come down to a few plays where, you know, a few extra plays, one extra player might have made the difference for Green Bay to make it to the Super Bowl last year. I mean, they were a drive away, essentially, from from doing that. And instead, you know, they kick a field goal, which was idiotic to begin with, but they don't get there. And now Aaron Rodgers is frustrated. He's 37. He's the reigning MVP in this league. Um, an MVP has never been traded the, the year after he won the award. But uh, will that happen? It's hard to say. But it sure makes for some some juicy speculation, and and 
really like that would change the whole power dynamic in the NFC North. If he is traded out of that division, then Mark Schlereth sure threw some some gasoline on that fire. He tr- he tweeted around 6 p.m. Uh, hearing that Denver uh, is a close to a done deal. Now nothing really came of that. More of the national reporting indicated that you know no nothing's really changed. Green Bay, you know, some teams tried to call to Green Bay like, hey, could we could we get in on this? And they they were rebuffed, but. Uh, you know, hard to say where exactly that's at. I don't think it's like an eminent thing, but you know, I'm not I'm not the one that's reporting that. It, 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 at the very least, we know that the situation has deteriorated to the point that it's no longer just these kind of like whispers about him being, you know, kind of annoyed or you know, talking about the off season and being like, you know, just he's, he was being vague, you know, kind of like how Stefan Diggs was being vague about maybe wanting to get out of Minnesota, and eventually that came to a head. This feels more like. Kind of when Jimmy Butler said, I don't want to be here anymore, and he made life so miserable with the Timberwolves a few years ago that uh, that, that he eventually forced his way out. It feels a little bit like that. You, just when you think a player doesn't have any leverage, that he's under contract, well, you can you can create your own leverage by being a pain in the butt, by, by making yourself, you know, by making it known that you don't want to be there anymore. An athlete creates that leverage. So we'll see. That would sure add a different dimension. I mean, imagine if the quarterbacks in this division next year were Jordan Love, presumably Justin Fields with Chicago, two young guys with talent, no doubt, but much different than, you know, quarterbacks we've seen in the past. And, you know, who's who's going to be the, the quarterback in Detroit? Jared Goff, probably? Like, Jared Goff, Justin Fields, and Jordan Love, and Kirk Cousins. Like, I, I give the edge to Kirk Cousins in that scenario. He would suddenly become the most experienced, best quarterback in the division, and the Vikings, by virtue of adding some offensive line help, and we'll see what they're able to do with the rest of this draft and what they've done in free agency so far. If Aaron Rodgers is traded, the Vikings immediately become at least a co-favorite. I know Green Bay will still have some good pieces in place. If he is traded, they will immediately become at least the co-favorite to win that division. Enjoy your money your way when you switch to Royal Credit Union. You can pay friends and family for free, deposit checks on the go, and even get alerts about your accounts sent in real time. Stop in and open your account today or get started at rcu.org slash your way. Insured by NCUA. I mentioned Jimmy Butler a minute ago, and that wasn't an accident. The the Timberwolves won their fourth consecutive game uh, for the first time since November 2018. That was about a week or two after they traded Jimmy Butler when they got Robert Covington, they got they had a nice stretch right after Covington got here. That was really the last time that things didn't feel completely hopeless here for the Timberwolves until this recent stretch of games. They're now 10-6 and six when Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell share the floor this year. They're improving, it seems like, almost every game. They win their fourth in a row. This one over Golden State. Again, this is not the Golden State team of past years, but they're going to be at least a play-in team. Uh, you know, They're a 500 team. They've still got you know Steph Curry. They've still got Draymond Green. This is still a quality team, uh, at least a team that, that that you know has won more than it's lost in recent weeks. So just impressive again. Towns looks good. Anthony Edwards takes over the game for stretches, especially you know when they need it the most. And uh, you know D'Angelo Russell is orchestrating things. Ricky Rubio has a monster game. I mean, it's just they've got a lot of things clicking. Wancho Aaron Gomez has been fantastic lately. I mean, it's just it it it's it's a measure of hope. And I know people are worried about the draft. We covered that. 
the whole lottery situation. I don't feel like it's a big deal. They might lose a few percentage points. Who they're really hurting is Golden State. They're really hurting Golden State's chances of getting a premium pick if that pick goes to Golden State more than the Wolves are hurting their own chances of getting a top three pick. And you know what? They got to give it a pick either this year or next year. We'll just see what happens. But right now, what's more important is they are finally winning games. 20 and 44 on the season. That's nothing to be proud about. We've talked about that. But this is a team that was 7 and 29 at the All-Star break. So that's 13 and 15 now since the break. 9 and 8 in their last 17 games. Four wins in a row. Five in the last six. That that counts as a stretch where you're like, okay, this isn't just, you know, one game where they look good. They've looked good for a while now. And uh, that, that's got to be encouraging for anybody involved with that team after so many years of dysfunction. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Joined once again on Daily Delivery today by Andrew Kramer, helped cover the first round of the draft on Thursday. Had to wait a little bit longer than than pick 14, as uh, we've become accustomed to. Right, Andrew? (laughs) <laughs> a little bit longer. Yeah, a little bit longer. But, you know, I think Mike Zimmer said it best. He uh, said, Rick likes to trade, so we're all used to waiting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I want to talk through a lot of different things. We're going to set up kind of day two and day three of the draft and what they might be able to do Friday and Saturday, especially with, you know, all these third and fourth round picks they now have. I want to get your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and, and also, you know, the Bears drafting Justin Fields. But let, let's start with the way the first round kind of played out what uh you know as you as we got to pick 14 you saw obviously Rashawn Slater get picked right before that at at 13 what uh you know it looked like there was you know it, the the board was breaking you know kind of more or less how we how we thought but did you think they were going to stay there at 14 and just take their guy or or how did you think that was going to play out and and you know Value-wise, they seem to do pretty well uh, in the end. In the end, at all, yeah, they were always going to be towing kind of a line of um, jumping on the right opportunity because at fourteen, you just didn't know who was going to be there. I think Rashawn Slater falling to thirteen was a little bit of a surprise, seeing only one offensive lineman and Penny Sewell taken in the top ten, one in the top twelve before Slater goes thirteen overall. You're you're sitting there if you're the Vikings thinking hey, we could potentially get Slater if we like him that much. The Vikings talked to teams about jumping up. Uh, Spielman wouldn't say if it was for Slater, wouldn't even say what position it was for. But they talked to teams about trading up uh, to go after somebody. And when that didn't work out, it says a lot about when they moved back, how they felt about their available options. They said they felt Christian Derrissaw would be available at 23 overall, although that got a little dicey too because Spielman admitted that they looked to trade up from there potentially thinking that Derisov might go to one of the teams in front of them at 21 or 22. Um, but at that point, they felt Derisov would be available by going back nine picks. Um, that tells you they did not feel that highly about Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard out of USC, guard tackle, because he was there. That's the guy the Jets traded up for. Vikings clearly gave up the rights to him, didn't want him, and they didn't want one of the edge rushers at 14 overall. When you looked at the guys that were still available – it was all these edge rushers. Anybody, the, Mike Zimmer could have had the pick of the litter at that position, and clearly they felt, Rick Spielman felt, that by trading back, acquiring more capital in the third rounds, you mentioned two extra threes they pick up, 
that's going to allow them to jump up in the second round to potentially get one of these edge rushers now that are still left on the board. And so they're viewing the combination of Derisaw and whatever edge rusher in round two, theoretically, if they can trade up, they can get as being better than just taking Derisaw at 14 and maybe not having enough ammo to move up to go get a guy. So we're just missing on Derisaw and taking whatever other tackle was going to be available to them at 23 because that's kind of what they were opening themselves up to. And the picks they picked up too, we should note the one, it was the 66th and 86th pick in the third round. 66 is very near the top of that third round because it came from the Jets. That's probably their original third round pick. That's the second pick of the third round. So they're already very close to the second round from there. And we'll get into some, some of the values and what they might need to do. I'm going to answer a bunch of your questions here in a little bit and get, get into a little bit more of that. Now, as the board is falling, you know, Justin Fields didn't get picked in the top 10. And you looked at the three teams that were between 10 and 14. And you're like, none of those teams need a quarterback. So until the bears made the trade to get to 11, which was pretty obvious what was going to happen. Did you have any inkling in your mind? Like, Oh boy, are they going to have a decision to make about a quarterback because fields could have been there. And as it turns out, Mac Jones also was there at 14. I think the only decision they would have had to have made at that point is fielding offers for a team that wanted to come up and get Justin. And if, if they were holding that ransom from the bears, because the bears obviously traded up to 11 to get Justin Fields. Let's say the Vikings were in that spot where the bears are saying, Hey, let us jump up there. (laughs) You know, the Vikings are going to charge them double what they're going to charge somebody else to bring Justin Fields to their division. So I just don't, I don't buy into any of this. There's been zero credible reporting, no sourcing, nothing indicating the Vikings were ever considering Justin Fields. And and when you talk to people about it, the quarterback pool was going to be leveraged. It sounds like the Vikings were always eyeing this quarterback pool as something to leverage to other teams that needed it to then potentially trade back. So it was always going to be an option from what I've heard of them potentially trading back and using that pool. And Hey, the bears jump up and get them. The Patriots just kind of hold steady, wait, wait. And then they end up getting their guy anyway. Um, I, I didn't think the Vikings were, I think, I didn't think the Vikings would actually take them. I thought they were just going to be potentially selling the pick to somebody who would. What do we know about Derisaw? They end up do, they do get him at 23. So it, it, whatever nervousness there was about that, it works out for them. They get a player that a lot of people had mocked to them at 14 that clearly they liked. They still get him at 23, pick up those two third round picks. They trade a fourth round pick, I think as part of that deal too, if I'm not mistaken, but, um, to, to do that, they get a guy who, you know, now that's four years in a row where they've invested a first or second round pick in the offensive line. You imagine that those four might be starters next season. If we're talking about, you know, Garrett Bradbury, Brian O'Neill, um, Ezra Cleveland, and now, uh, and now Dar- uh, Darisaw. Um, what, what kind of player is he? What, what can, what can you expect? I mean, is this a guy that you think plug and play week one left tackle? Um, is he that polished and ready to play right away? Yeah, the Vikings think so. Rick Spielman said at his uh, press conference afterward, now keep in mind, he said last year that Ezra Cleveland was the left tackle and holding down the fort for Riley Reef. but um, he made it pretty clear that they view him as purely a left tackle. Now, when you read some analysts talk about Christian Derrissaw's game at Virginia Tech, some people projected maybe this guy's a right tackle just because they didn't feel like he was um, technique refined enough at this point um, to, to block a blindside guy, but he's been a left tackle at Virginia Tech three straight years, doesn't sound like the Vikings want to move him at all. Now, his game is a little different than what the Vikings have drafted typically for these offensive linemen. Now, don't get me wrong, he's athletic, he's he's a little nimble, but he's not 
the kind of sideline to sideline lateral mover, um, you know, the, the premier athletic tackle of the class that they were trying to get with an Ezra Cleveland or that they were trying to get with maybe a Brian O'Neill um, who kind of tested a little higher in some of the athletic things. This is a departure a little bit. And Mike Zimmer said it, he said, his size is what really drew us. That was not what they said about any of these previous draft no, picks. No, it was the mobility more than anything, right? Precisely. And so they were just sick of getting pushed around is how I read that. They're getting sick of getting up at the line of scrimmage on fourth and one and not being able to convert, getting up to the goal line and just trusting that, hey, maybe Dalvin Cook can outrun somebody to a pylon because that's how they've run their goal line offense. And it's worked. Don't get me wrong. But it'd be so much nicer if you could actually move some people up front, too. And I imagine that's what Mike Zimmer's thinking. And Riley Reef was one of the best to do that for them. And then you, you moved on from him. So to get any of that back, they had to do that with the rookie they're going to bring in or whatever left tackle they were going to bring in. And with Derisaw, he's kind of known a little bit more as a road grader, somebody who can really move people in the running game. And that's, that's not something you've heard about their previous draft picks. Some more Minnesota connections, obviously, in this draft. Trey Lance ends up going number three. Uh, to San Francisco, the Marshall, Minnesota native, played at North Dakota State. Um, you know, there was some, I don't know if it was smokescreen, subterfuge, that they were going to take Mac Jones. That that kind of shifted probably over the last 24 hours before the draft. You started seeing the more of the mocks and even the betting market starting to tilt towards Trey Lance. But that's an interesting, you know, he's going to be, you know, charged. He's going into a pretty good situation. I mean, that's a team that was in the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago and, you know, had a really rough 2020, but interesting kind of dynamic there. I am thrilled for Trey Lance. And, and look, I'm, I'm not somebody who's diehard NDSU football. I can't say I've been following his career um, up to this point every step of the way, but uh, I'm a huge fan of Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers and what they've built over there in that offense. It's very similar to what the Vikings run. We've heard that nonstop, um, but it's quarterback friendly. And not only that, the talent, that they've got over there around him between Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver, George Kittle at tight end, Trent Williams is your left tackle. And what really should be a top five defense if it's healthy from the Bosa's down back to the Shermans. Like this is a talented, healthy, when healthy defense. And I really think that Trey Lance is set up to succeed. This is the best landing spot for any of the rookie quarterbacks, in my opinion. And for it to go to Trey Lance, somebody who, was really projected as more of like this developmental guy of like, Hey, he's smart. He's got all the uh, tools, skill sets, but it's just 13 FCS starts. Maybe we got to wait a little bit, put this kid a year or two, you know, on the bench, let him ride the pine and learn. This is a great spot to do that. And I don't want to say it's Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes kind of landing spot, but um, this kid really could kind of blow up in a couple of years uh, with the kind of setup that he's got. And then obviously Rashad Bateman, we were a little, you know, wondering whether he was going to go in the first round or early in the second round. He goes to Baltimore. Um, seems like a pretty good landing spot for him too. get Lamar Jackson. Those two can kind of grow together. Baltimore had a clear need at wide receiver. Um, what, what did you make of, of that, um, you know, that fit with, with Bateman in Baltimore? Yeah, I think Vikings fans should just be happy he didn't go in the division specifically to, to Green Bay. Um, not that we don't know what's going to happen in Green Bay necessarily, but um, it's interesting. I think Rashad Bateman has already made one mediocre quarter. He's already made a mediocre quarterback in Tanner Morgan look good. Now he's got an inaccurate one in Lamar Jackson, who by all means is an amazing, amazing quarterback. But he's not known for his accuracy. He's not known for his arm. So I'm very 
interested to see how Rashad Bateman fits in that offense because they have not, they have not really um, prioritized or uh, really made the focal point of their offense, the receivers. It doesn't matter if it's Hollywood Brown. doesn't matter if it's um, the Notre Dame kid they took a couple of years ago that I'm blanking on his name, but they've tried to add wide receivers to that offense and it hasn't produced. So I'm really interested to see how Bateman changes it because I think Bateman's the best they have in terms of a route runner. Now, can he help Lamar Jackson kind of take that next step? I want to get to Aaron Rodgers here in a minute, but let, let's talk one more draft thing. Bears get Justin Fields with the 11th pick, uh, kind of the uh, changing evolution of, you know, the, the division and the quarterback position that, you know, Bears fans who were lamenting, you know, they thought they maybe had a shot at Russell Wilson in a trade. That's got to be a pretty big piece of excitement for them. I know no guarantees with a rookie quarterback, but that that changes the dynamic of that team at this point. It really does. It's it, it scares you a lot more than Andy Dalton. I'll just say uh, that. Andy Dalton scares <laughs> you in a different way, in a, in a way of uh, he probably terrified Bears fans in, in certain ways. Um, you know, it's one thing if, if, uh, Mike Zimmer's lucky enough to have Matthew Stafford lead the division this off season, maybe Aaron Rodgers, but the Justin Fields, um, coming in, it kind of balances it out a little bit because this is the most dangerous quarterback the bears have had, um, in some time. And I say that without seeing him take a single NFL snap, I just know that because he's better than Mitchell Trubisky. I think he's better than Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, all these other bears quarterbacks that they've trotted out the Mike Glennon's of the world. Um, it's, it's just been atrocious in Chicago and, and not even Allen Robinson, one of the best receivers in the NFL has been able to save them from their quarterback play. So I think you get Justin Fields in there, Matt Nagy still holding it down. This is like their last chance with that coach and GM pairing likely to, to get this quarterback uh, position, right. Um, and I think they might've done it and, and yeah, it was, that's probably the worst out of all the things that happened on draft night for Vikings fans. That was probably the worst one. I want to take a bunch of your questions as we kind of set up the uh, kind of day two of the draft Friday and also what what evolved Thursday. I want to start, Andrew, with uh, with a question from um, Steve Newman at Randball Stew. Um, this gets to the heart of the uh, the Aaron Rodgers drama on Thursday, what I, what I, which I want to get your your uh, your thoughts on. He says, is the main story Rick gambling with his job on the line and winning or the likely end of the Green Bay Empire? I think it's the latter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It is the latter. Um, I, we don't know what's going to happen. And that's that's the biggest thing, right, is you get the reports out of I think John Lynch in San Francisco said we called about Aaron Rodgers before we were on the clock at number three. And it was a quick conversation and it was quickly over. We were told they're not moving him. Uh, that's what you do, right? That's what the Texans are doing with Deshaun Watson. Entirely different situation. But, yeah. Gutekunst, uh, even, Gutekunst even said that Thursday in his uh, his late presser. So say we're not trading Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see how, how far that goes. Precisely. So who knows how it's going to play out? Because if Aaron actually decides to hold out games, then you know push is going to come to shove and something's going to actually happen. If he's that mad about it, if this is more than just posturing to get a better contract or maybe some help on draft night. Um, if it's more than that, then that that's the massive story. Because like I had said earlier, if Mike Zimmer's lucky enough to have Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers leave the division of the same off season, he needs to go to Vegas and we all need to follow whatever bets he places. Cause that's insane. That is an insane luck of 
of your, your defense needing to improve. And then your two primary nemeses in the division, just leaving and being replaced by ostensibly, if this happened, a rookie or, you know, NFL rookie effectively in Jordan love. And then Jared Goff, who in my opinion is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. So yeah, I just, I think it's, it's, it's great news for Vikings fans. And then we'll see about the saving of the job and, and whether or not the Vikings got it right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. There's always a, it's a long way to September, as we as we very well know. Um, some other good questions, kind of setting up the second day here. You know, Friday is going to be Friday and Saturday are going to be important for the Vikings. They don't have a second round pick right now, but um, one of the first questions we got was JD Cameron. He's got actually three a three part question. I love three part questions. Um, uh, a what part of the second round does it make sense for them to move into? B how much capital to make it happen? And C your favorite targets based on positions of need for day two. So maybe we can kind of take those in order. Um, uh, and one in, part one and part two are kind of related. The what part does it make sense to jump into and how much capital does it take? Because those are kind of related, I would say. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how much it's going to take. Um, I haven't looked at all the charts and stuff. You could probably help me with that. But in terms of the positions and where they need to go, the end of the first round was pretty bad for them. When you looked at all the edge rushers that went off the board, I can't imagine the Vikings were, you know, getting off the clock at, at uh, 23 overall and thinking that four of the last five picks were going to be edge rushers. Cause that's what happened in the first round. So um, with that said, that might scare some teams off. There might not be a lot of edge rushers that teams are going to want to jump at, at the top of the second round. So the Vikings could be looking at their top edge rusher being available in the middle of the second round. Um, if that's true, if a guy like, um, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher pronouncing his name, but Aziz Ojulari out of Georgia is one of the top edge rushers left. Um, Georgia's, um, he's, he was one of Georgia's top edge rushers uh, for the past couple of years. He's somebody that I think could fit them. Oklahoma's Ronnie Perkins, Wake Forest, Carlos Basham Jr. are other ones. Those guys would make, fit, make sense as fits on day two. Um, if it's not edge rusher, though, they still need help in the secondary. They still need help at linebacker, at wide receiver. Just one um, more. Just one more corner. Hey, Asante Samuel Jr., if anybody wants to feel older. Oh. Um, him, him out of Florida All these State. juniors, it's driving me. It's, it's, it's like it does make me feel older. Like all these juniors right now, it does not help me right now. It does not help. It doesn't. Uh, this, the draft's top safety, Trevin Morig, is still available as well out of TCU. He's a very versatile slot cover guy who can also play on the back end. Um, there, there are some options for them clearly. And, and George's Tyson Campbell is another corner to keep an eye on UCF's Aaron Robinson is another corner to keep an eye on. Um, they've got a lot of options. And, and I do think that this is a loaded draft class in certain positions. Offensive tackle was one of them. Edge rusher is another. And so with that late run in the first round though, I just don't anticipate a lot of teams continuing that run. And maybe that allows the Vikings to only have to move up, you know, half a round as opposed to an entire round when they do have those four third round picks. Now they had two before the night began, then they got two more, um, you know, with, with the trade down with Darius. I did a little looking on, you know, pro football reference. There's a bunch of different kind of trade value charts you can look at, but pro football reference has a pretty good one where just pretty clean. It's just the, the, the numerical value, the point value for each pick, a couple of them that might make sense based on what the Vikings had. Here's, here's what I came up with. They could, they could do, if you want to as pop, about as aggressive as you could get, if you're just trading two picks would be their two, the top two third round picks they have now, which is 66. The one they just got from the jets plus 78, which I believe is theirs 
originally. Um, and that could get him up about to 44, 43. So, you know, 10 picks into the 10, 12 picks into the second round. Maybe San Francisco is a willing trade partner there. San Francisco doesn't have any third round picks. Maybe San Francisco's looking to kind of diversify, getting a, you know, pick up a couple of players instead of just a second round pick. So they could get to 43 if they dealt with San Francisco or could trade 78 and 86. 86 was the other one they got from the Jets. Um, and that that actually lines up perfectly with 54, uh, which is what Ben Gessling, our, our colleague, had, had thought maybe that was uh, a good trade partner for them to move up into the second round because the, the Colts don't have a lot of picks. They could use some uh, some depth, so maybe that's a trade partner. So you get to 54, which is you know more in the back half of the second round, but still maybe some good players available there. Yeah, and the important thing to note, too, with the Vikings draft capital is that these are in the top 100, and that's important to NFL teams that are looking still for quality while also trying to get a little bit of quantity. Good stuff. Andrew Kramer, thank you for joining me here today. Hope everybody enjoyed that. Andrew, go get some rest. Get your get yourself hydrated. Day two and day three are, uh, are marathons, not sprints. Absolutely. Got the coffee, mainlining it. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Let's end with the cooler. The Wild played almost the opposite game uh, Thursday night that it did the night before. Both games against St. Louis. They blew a lead and uh, gave up a late goal. Lost to St. Louis on uh, Wednesday. They rallied from 3-0 down on Thursday night. Get it to overtime with a late goal. End up losing in overtime, but they get the point at least that they were missing the night before. They've come very close now to clinching uh, at least the number three spot in the West, which would likely set up a meeting with Colorado. Still a chance it could be Vegas, but but Colorado now tied with the Wilds, 66 points. Wilds played two more games. So most likely scenario, like we've talked about, is Vegas wins the division. Wild probably the number three seed, but you never know. They could still catch Colorado, be the two seed. There's still a chance that one of them catches Vegas, but... You know, the games are fewer and far between right now. And St. Louis, this is my hot take. St. Louis is going to be a tough out for whoever wins that division. St. Louis is almost certainly going to be that four seed. They're starting to get some separation now from the teams below them. I know this has been pretty much a three-team race this year so far. Those are definitely the best teams. But St. Louis has been playing much better lately. That's a team that could be dangerous, um, a team that had maybe some better expectations than what they've shown this year. Uh, if it's St. Louis and Vegas, um, I don't think it's going to be an easy series for Vegas. And if it's St. Louis, Colorado, same thing. The Wild has one more against St. Louis, by the way, coming up this weekend, the third out of three, almost like a mini playoff series. So, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, I'll be interested to see how the Wild bounces back. Maybe they can play a complete game all three periods in this one. That's it for today. That's it for the week. Thanks for joining me here on Daily Delivery all week long. Lots of draft talk. Aaron Rodgers, we'll see where that story goes over the weekend and beyond. Tons of other stuff coming up next week. Thanks for listening again to Daily Delivery, and I am Michael Rand. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again on Monday.